0: And it is Jesus that makes today glorious. Welcome to our broadcast. We are so happy that you have joined us today. This past Thursday was Thanksgiving in the United States, and understanding the truth of our God's supreme position will help us to keep on thanking Him beyond Thanksgiving. Now, here's Pastor Elliot with his special Thanksgiving message. Trust your Bibles are open to Psalm 8. There are profound differences between the Creator and His creation. God is ever and always greater and above the people and the things that He makes. Yet it's easy, I think, if we're honest, to admit that it's very simple to have an inflated view of ourselves. Former heavyweight champion, boxing champion of the world is a case in point. Muhammad Ali... Once boarded an airplane to fly somewhere in the height of his influence and reign as heavyweight champion of the world. He sat himself down onto the airplane seat and refused to buckle himself into the seatbelt. And the stewardess said, Buckle up, Mr. Ali. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The stewardess said, Superman don't need no airplane. After his boxing career was well over and the champ was afflicted with Parkinson's disease, he adopted a far more circumspect view of himself and his accomplishments. A Sports Illustrated author went to visit Muhammad Ali at his farm and noticed that in the barn on the farm property was a framed picture of Ali with the heavyweight champion's belt on, and there were pigeon droppings all over this framed picture of the champ. On the floor of the barn. And the SI author said, Isn't that supposed to be in a prominent place in your home, champ? And he said, It don't matter when you're like I am now. You see, creatures like us all need to bow to our Creator. We all need to be taken down a few notches if we are fooled into believing that we're really, really something when in fact we're really, really nothing. We need to see God as he is, and we need to see ourselves as we are, because when we see God for who he is, it makes sustained thanksgiving to him possible. Psalm 8 can be of real help to us in this endeavor. And in Psalm 8, we see four parts to this one psalm. And first of all, we see in this psalm the Lord's position, verse 1. And then we see the Lord's power in verses 2 and 3. And last, we see the Lord's presence in verses 4 to 8. And rather last, his portion in verse 9. But it all starts with seeing the Lord's position. The Lord's position is the beginning point of understanding his power And his presence and his portion. I've been talking over crying babies all my life. It's all right. God's position is that God is the most important one in the universe. God is entirely supreme. Look at verse 1, Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens. This is the Lord's position, church family. And the first thing to note is a careful reader of the English translations of our Bibles that in this same verse where Lord is mentioned twice, it's rendered in the English differently, slightly. One Lord is all capitalized, capital L, capital O, capital R, and capital D. That's the first Lord. The second Lord is capital L and then lowercase, O-R-D. That is the English translator's attempt to tell the English reader that two different Hebrew words are used in this one verse for Lord. The capitalized Lord is the Hebrew Yahweh, and the single capital on the first part of Lord is the Hebrew word Elohim. Yahweh is the name of God that stresses his covenant-keeping faithfulness, while Elohim centers on God's sovereign rulership. Put another way, Yahweh is saying God never ever breaks his promises, but Elohim, the name of God, is saying to you and me this morning, God is the boss. He's in control of it all. God is both, of course, a covenant-keeping faithful God and a God who is in charge. He's both. He's the perfect package. God creates binding arrangements with mankind, which he always keeps. And equally, God powerfully controls and rules over all of human history and over each of our individual lives and all of their circumstances. It's interesting to note that this high and holy position that is reserved only for God in all of his universe is mentioned twice in this eighth psalm. Not only does verse 1 open the psalm with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, but this psalm also closes with the same thought in verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. These are literary bookends, brackets, and they tell us, don't miss this, that realizing our Lord's position is key to sustaining our thanksgiving. When we understand our Lord's lofty position, we have a shot at having sustained thanksgiving to him beyond the third Thursday in November. And so as fellow creatures made in God's image, may we see together in this psalm that we aren't to overlook the uniqueness and the lofty position of our creator and redeemer. Don't overlook God's position when the Dow Jones average falls 900 points. I pray it won't. But also don't overlook God's lofty position when the Dow Jones average rises 900 points. Still with verse 1, the name of God is referenced. Do you see it? O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name. In all the earth. What is the name of God? The name of God is all of His revealed person. That is all His full range of attributes His being a Trinity, His faithfulness, His trueness, His love, His might to save, His providential care, His holiness, His justice, His mercy, His grace, His eminency, His transcendency, His sovereignty, His eternality, His omniscience, His omnipresence. All that he is in his character is the name of God. And verse 1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And the point is that God's person and God's attributes are majestic. That is, they are without peer. They are without competitor. One more thing about our God's position as taught by verse 1. It references God's splendor or his glory. And it says that God's splendor is above the highest created thing that we know. That is the heavens. See it there? Who has displayed thy splendor above the heavens? Niagara Falls has a certain splendor. DNA and its structure in our bodies has a splendor. The atom has a splendor. The Grand Canyon has a certain kind of a splendor. The birth of a child has a splendor. Supernovae have a splendor. The night, clear sky, full of stars, has a splendor. The mathematical nature of all God's creation has a splendor. But God's unique, inherent splendor or his glory is above all those things that I named, it's without competitor. It's without peer. God's glory is his intrinsic, eternal perfections. God's glory is his intrinsic, those things that belong to him and him alone, eternal, without a beginning and without an ending, perfections, flawless character, flawless conduct. That is God's splendor. That is God's glory. And the psalmist says that God's splendor is far above the heavens. Will you notice that God's perfections are not merely in the heavens? No, they are above the heavens. And will you notice that God's perfections are not merely beside the heavens? No, they are above the heavens. And will you notice that God's perfections are certainly not below the heavens? No. They are above the heavens. They are much greater. They are much more lofty than the highest thing that scientists or astronomers have yet to discover. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas
1: Rogers.
2: Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, and this is another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue to talk about stuff. Last time we talked about how the power of the rich fool and how Jesus called the rich f- fool a fool. He said, but God said to him in verse 20 of chapter 12 of Luke, but God said to him, you fool, this is the very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have been prepared, whose will they be? And that's how it was with the one who stores up treasure for himself and not rich toward God. But we see, continuing that chapter in verse 20, he said, then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth more, much more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Here God is making it very clear. Look, do not put everything about your possessions don't worry about the things that you have no control over. Recognize that God takes care of the birds. God is going to provide the food that we need to eat. God is going to provide the clothing that we need. He's going to provide our essential needs. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. You see, a thing that we allow ourselves to worry, we allow and we put our confidence in our things and not in God. You see, when I consider uh, many different companies, as we had the recession a couple of years ago, when I consider that the, the companies put so much hope in what they had built for those many years, and the economy just crashed, and everything had just been wiped away, they had no more money. They had no more been They had the file of bankruptcy. They had less than what many of us had because they lost everything. They depended on their money, and so they didn't know what to do. You see, as I consider that, and I consider even today's culture, when you consider a lot of NBA players and sports athletes, when they get these big contracts, some people who never had a dollar to their name, they don't know what to do with it. And they fall more in debt because everyone's coming at them and asking them for money and asking them for stuff. And they're like, okay, yeah, I have the money. And then, we, then they realize that when it's all gone, they have nothing. You see, I think that this is our problem. We put so much stuff in the God of stuff. As we think of verse 27 of Luke chapter 12, it says this, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor will adorn like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today, and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you? You of little faith. Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things and the Father knows that you need them. Verse 31. But seek His kingdom and these things will be provided for you. Again, we need to recognize that we need to seek after God. We need to say, you know what? I'm all about God. I'm all in. And I'm all for whatever He wants for my life. And I think that if we allow ourselves to become like Christ and we allow ourselves not to let stuff get in the way of our lives and let stuff consume what we're about and we let God have His rightful place number one in our lives, He promises that He is going to provide for our needs. We need to seek after Him with everything that we are. Verse 33 of Luke chapter 12 said, Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, and recognize that your treasure is in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I want to challenge you this morning. Would you consider the stuff that you have? Would you consider it an idol? Would you consider it something that consumes you, that, that you allowed in your life to become the place of God sometimes? That we allow the things that we have, that we're happy because we have all these things, but when something happens and the things are taken away, then we have no more joy. That's when we've allowed the idols of stuff get in the way. And we need to, we need to defeat the God of stuff by letting go of our things. And say, you know what, God, I want to give everything that I have to you. I want to help those in need. I want to be there to, you know, and, and I think that too many times we think of helping people in need is just about, you know, money. It's not just about money. It's about being there, helping them. Um, I've seen many stories where children have taken the initiative to start different things to help those in need. And I think that we can learn so much by this. That we would recognize that it's not about making another dollar, but it's about seeing the kingdom of God grown every day because we have shown the love of Christ to those we come in contact with. And in closing, I just want to close with the last verse that we read in Luke chapter 12, verse 34 says this For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. I ask you, what is your treasure? Is it the stuff that you have? Or is it the God that has provided you with this stuff to bring honor and glory to Him? Because He wants His kingdom to grow. He wants us to be a good representation of Him. And He wants us to say that He is our treasure.
3: And now, today's personal God story. Well, this morning, I'm very pleased to have in our radio studio, Darren Clare. Good morning, Darren. Good morning, Pastor Rob. We are going to help Darren share with you uh, some exciting parts of his particular God story. And I'd like to ask you first, brother, how was it that you came to discover that you
1: needed Jesus Christ to be your Savior? Well, that discovery first came about uh, at about the age of seven, when my brother one of my brothers he shared the gospel with me and he wanted me to believe in Jesus with all my heart and i was with my little 7 year old heart i just saying i believe i believe yes i'm sure i believe and he was really emphasizing it that you had to believe it so and well, with all my heart true. at that time i i did yes and jesus said let the little children <laughs>
3: come to me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of heaven and mm-hmm. i too trusted jesus to be my personal Savior very young. And uh, Mm -hmm. all I really knew was uh, that I was a sinner and that Jesus paid for my spanking that I should have had from God Mm -hmm. and that uh, if I trusted him, as you say, completely, he would save me. So that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, What positive changes have you seen Jesus making
1: in your life since that little boy decision to trust him? (laughs) Well, I would say um, a lot of those changes I didn't notice as much as a little kid. But as I became older, say um, a pivotal point, I would say definitely took place at age 16 Mm because I think I was just in my kiddie zone most of my young life. Um, But uh, at about the age of 16, that's when I heard the gospel again with um, talking about Nicodemus and saying um, being born again, Mm -hmm. which is born of water is water, born of flesh is flesh. And that really hit me that if I wasn't born again, that I knew that it was a a future of hell in a sense and I said you know what I really didn't want that and um, I think that was the point when the Holy Spirit really took grip of me at that time and um, I wasn't nearly as negative or judgmental or lustful in a sense just Mm -hmm. with that human fleshly nature it was a real change and um, I noticed how Christians were and where to find them in the school, because I remember them. I, you, people always know them. You, you spot them in the school pretty easily. And once I noticed that change has really taken place, I was able to find them. And I had a greater desire to get into God's Word, and I wanted to read it.
3: That's, that's marvelous. Um, you've referenced the gospel a couple of times. And just in case there might be a listener there that mm-hmm. is unclear what that is, basically the, the Bible's definition of the gospel is that Christ has died for sins, Mm-hmm. and arisen from the dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in First uh, Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 5. Essentially, that's what the good news of the gospel is, that Jesus has died for our sins, and he has been raised from the dead. So it sounds like you trusted him in a simple childlike way yes. at 7. Uh-huh. And then later on, uh, around the age of 16, some of the uh, depth of the beauty of that gift became more clear to you. hmm Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's great. Well, here's another thing I'd like you, the listeners to know as you answer, Brother Darren. Okay. Uh, as you um, have uh, relatively recently been, become a married man and a dad, what mm-hmm. uh, would you say have been some of the positive impacts that your salvation has brought to your current life?
1: Okay. Um, I would uh, definitely say the... One of the biggest changes or things that would help mm-hmm. the most is with the Holy Spirit leading me because you really need the holy spirit 's help yeah, <laughs> for sure, sure. and um, definitely in the sense of being married because you're committed to someone for life, yes, and you would need the holy spirit 's help because you could easily get into your flesh if you 're not careful, but with the Holy Spirit leading my life, it helps me to make more godly choices to make sure I lead her in the right way and lead my daughter in the right way also, being a good uh, father to her, um, with making more positive decisions to help us all grow in righteousness and godliness. And um, also doing this, the process of doing this with uh, prayer and Bible study, making sure my wife is loved, nourished, and feels emotionally and physically secured. And the same for my daughter. Praise the Lord. That's beautiful. Tell the listeners how long uh, you and Kimberly have been married now. Well, it's nearing two years because we got married. That was September 2014. So it's nearing two years.
3: Wonderful. And I know that I can attest to those who may not get to see you come into the church building week by week by week, but they have a (laughs) a glow and a joy that only Jesus can bring to a young family. And why don't you tell the listeners uh, your beautiful daughter's name? Uh, That's Alicia, Alicia Joy. Alicia Joy. (laughs) Wonderful. And what a special Mm -hmm. gift she is to you and all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, Last question, brother. Mm -hmm. What would you say this morning to the listener who may be out there somewhere in his 20s or her 20s? Okay. And um, really not sure about does Jesus Christ fit into their life and and if he does, how how would you say that Jesus Christ can positively impact a person in in your
1: age or stage of life in their twenties? Well, I would say, uh, well, salvation that would definitely help you with coming into church and being part of a local body because I could I could definitely testify to that with my mother's death fairly recently too that was about a year or so before i got married mm-hmm. um, and just knowing how the church body would be there to comfort you and protect you and just be there for you physically and also financially mm-hmm. with the church giving financially and also with individuals wanting to give a note their time their love and is very much appreciative and you could see god's love at work so yeah. uh, being a part of a local body it's no, anyway, it's, it's it's priceless because I even had it there with my wife again when she was on bed rest with the pregnancy. It was a difficult one and the church body was just right there again, fully supportive. So, you know, I would um, strongly encourage our local church attendance with uh, some genuine believers. Make sure you're part of a, a real church because a lot of floppy churches would be out there, so to speak, but um, be part of one that's really into Jesus Christ and Wanting to spread his love, his joy, his peace, that happiness and that unity. Yes. Jessica's, yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So
3: you're saying that um, as a young person who knows Christ as Savior, that you've mm-hmm. seen the huge positive impact it can have to be part of a spiritual family called a church. Yes. And you don't have to do life. Alone, You have people that care for you.
1: Yes, you Mm -hmm. would have that loving support. And it's so important to be a part of a a local body of believers and not to be isolated to yourself, especially being a male, like wanting to stand on your own two feet. It's good to have that support and to humble yourself, even if you just talk to one other male in the church, just to have that help and to to stand on your feet. That's a great point because a lot of uh,
3: Bahamian men in their 20s Uh, Mm -hmm. struggle with not having a dad in their life for for whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. to be in a uh, church which a uh, healthy church is across all generations of ages and stages of life can be a real real help. Hmm. And uh, I like that expression. I've never heard that but uh, don't be in a floppy church.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I
3: think that's pretty good. I I in my yeah. opinion a floppy church is a church that's not very clear or biblical mm-hmm. about why they exist. That's and, so true. <laughs> yeah, so a church true. doesn't exist to puff up a pastor or to uh do anything else except to exalt Jesus Christ by winning the lost to him for salvation and then uh, helping those new converts to Christ grow up into the full Uh, stature and maturity of Christ as a Christ follower and so by God's grace I believe that Calvary (laughs) Bibles are just not a floppy church not a fluffy one at all (laughs) and we thank God for that well Darren thank you so much for coming into the studio to share some of your God story and I love to pray for you and uh, your wife and and child at this time thank you you're welcome Heavenly Father we thank you for Darren and Kimberly and Alicia we thank you for the joy that you've given to the them. that's Monday to Saturday, including Sunday joy. It's constant joy. Mm-hmm. And I, we thank you for uh, their young family. We ask your blessing to rest and to abide on each of them as they walk with you. And we pray that at the youngest of ages, baby Alicia mm-hmm. would transfer her trust to Jesus to be her own personal Lord and Savior. Lord, if there would be any person out there of any age uh, needing to plug into a non-floppy church, we pray they would, even this Sunday, yes. find a Bible-believing, teaching, and preaching community, a family of God, where they can be uh, a part and where they can be blessed. Thank you, Lord, for the clears. Please bless and use them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: amen. You've been listening to the Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 and 11 a.m. this morning in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. Feel free to join us at these times. You can also write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.